Mark Gottfried, and I'm here with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and this is Gilbert and Frank's Amazing Colossal Obsession. It is. Obsessions. And I brought you a guest this week. Oh, yeah? Yes. Finally, you do something. <laughs> I brought you a man after your own heart, a fellow lover of nostalgia and old movies and old TV, and he collects stuff. And, I, and I was looking through it, the stuff you sent me that he has. He is the master collector, James Commissar. Hi, guys. Hey, Gilbert. Hi, Frank. James. You What's have- going on? Thanks for doing this, you man. You have Maxwell Smart shoe phone. Among other things. Oh, it just starts there. I have the cone of silence. I have his ice cream cone phone, cheese sandwich phone, bar of soap phone. <laughs> it just goes on and on. Incredible. <laughs> hey, Gilbert, what was your favorite show growing up? Oh, God. Well, Get Smart was one of those. Uh, the Fugitive. You like the Twilight Zone? Twilight Zone, of course. Love the Twilight Zone. Bilko. Car 54, where are you? We're Andy Griffith show, guys. We know oh. you have Barney Fife's hat, don't you? Or you did. I have Andy and Barney's badges, uniforms, and hats. For my money, Andy Griffith show, best classic TV show of all time. What do you think about that? Wow, I almost can't disagree with you. It's it's a perfect it's, show. It is a perfect show, especially those the, 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 the Don Knotts seasons. Right. On do, for five years, Emmy five years in a row. Yeah. Do you have the bullet that Don <laughs> not carried around in his pocket? <laughs> That's right. That was a real prop. <laughs> uh, let me let me just say this. I'd pay five grand for that all day uh, long. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Absolutely. So you say Get Smart, which is one of the best shows of all time. Sure. So if you had the shoe phone from Get Smart, 60 to 80,000 with auction house commission would be right at 100,000. How many of those do you want, Gilbert? Oh, jeez. Wow. I didn't like the show that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, he would the only thing Gilbert really has. You don't have many collectibles. No. You, you do have the mask. You I've have got the life the mask. Life He's masks. got life masks of Lagosi and uh, Cheney Jr. And wow. uh, Beta Lagosi. But he's far too, what's the word? Cheap. <laughs> <laughs> to play in your sandbox, James. Well, when I started in my sandbox, you know, 30 years ago, the studios were throwing this stuff out. It was just a, a storage problem for them. Amazing. And if you went in with a truck and said, yeah, I'll take that stuff, they would just bloody well give it to you. And now, you know, we have pieces in, in this art market going for upwards of $5 million. When you started in the '80s, and I've heard, I heard an interview with you, this, this market didn't really exist. Not to what That's it is true. today. There were some oddball collectors and some people scattered here or there, but there was no real robust collectors market. I have been credited with starting this this TV memorabilia market because mm-hmm. I grew up with you know Keith Partridge and and Hawkeye Pierce. What did I know from Judy Garland or John Wayne? That Hawkeye Pierce generation. was just here. Oh, yeah. Oh, we just interviewed just Alan the, Alda. Alan Alda just walked out of the room. Did he leave anything? Did he leave any roses? Or- <laughs> I got his coffee cup here. <laughs> I'll take it. So he said, do you want the tent that we slept in? And I said, no, I don't know what to do with that. Did you say, did you say taint? Is, what did you say? tent. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> but go, but so, go back. You were credited with starting yeah. it. So... I was like in my 20s, and I grew up a fat kid, so no Little League. I came home and watched TV, and these characters, this is going to sound so gay, these characters (laughs) were like my after-school friends, right? So when I I started writing jokes right out of high school, I'll tell tell you about about that. that. Yeah. But, you know, when I 
when I found out these pieces were just being treated poorly, I thought, I got to I gotta do this. This is going to be my mission. And I, I filled up my hall closet. I filled up my garage. Then I filled up 10 storage units. And here we are today, more TV treasures than even the Smithsonian, by far. Incredible. Name just the stuff you have from Wizard of Oz. Right. So I actually started out as a Wizard of Oz collector. When Amazing. I started, I thought, that's my favorite movie. I'm going to buy a few things. So I'll just tell you the best thing I ever had, which is actually the best costume I've ever seen in 30 years. I owned and conserved the Cowardly Lion costume from the Wizard of Oz. Oh, it was, man. It was made out of a real lion. I mean, this was a big, stinky, 60-pound, heavy costume. I was just a kid when I found it. I had to borrow the money. I was taking cash advances off my diner's club card, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to take this to the L.A. County Museum of Art and have them fix it. And there was a conservator there who I could pay monthly on my credit card, and so the L.A. County Museum of Art conserved it. It was worth near nothing, and uh, on November 24th, Fourth of 2014, the Cowardly Lion costume sold for $3.1 million. Oh, unbelievable. Gilbert, you got to get in this 1. game. I know. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's walking around money for you, Gilbert, but for the rest of us, that's a lot of money. That's amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> so, you know, in the early days, you could buy a Captain Kirk velour tunic from the first season for 200 bucks. Nowadays, they're 100,000 plus, and I can just see in the future, where two, three, four years in the future, those will be a million What made it bucks. explode like that? Was and it the so, internet? Was it, was it Comic-Cons and conventions? I think that all adds to it. And of course, with these TV shows streaming through our sure, lives 24-7, right. that doesn't hurt anything. But I think that, that people have these incredibly strong relationships with TV actors and TV characters, and they almost feel like members of the extent of your extended mm -hmm. family. So when you have an opportunity to buy something that they wore or, or handled, it's like, wow, it's too good to be true. And, and we have stuff in our marketplace from $5 to $5 million. Incredible. Now, is it Spielberg who owns the sled from Citizen Kane? That's what I... What? Absolutely right. Yep, absolutely right, Gilbert. He has it and quite a few other pieces. He is from what I know, exclusively focused on motion pictures, whereas my love is TV. We cover 70 years of TV. Um, I know you guys like esoteric getting into the weeds we do. on television. Uh, and, you know, the big... My publicist is back here, oh, Jeff we know Abraham, Jeff. who's also a... Hello, Jeff. He's a scholar on, on comedy. And so I call him all the time just to ask him if something I'm being offered, does anybody care anymore? So I'll call him and I'll just say two words, Ernie Koufax. And he'll say, yeah, you got to get it. And I'm like, is there, does anybody remember? Is, am I buying something that's going to, that, is this a brand or a character that's going to be invisible five years from now? So unfortunately, one has to think in terms of which of these brands well, you're is going to make a living too. You know? yeah. How much would that sled be worth right now? Hmm, that's a good question. I would think, uh, I think it's certainly um, uh, in the million to two million range. It, Citizen Kane is a great film as far as a uh, an entertainment, as far as a collectible film. Not the sure. sexiest film, yeah. on that, but that know? item. And it depends on whether you have the one that was the hero, or they made some up out of balsa wood that were that that just burned at right. the end of the film. So is it an extra one they didn't get around to burning, or is it the one? 
featured in the film in our art market, that makes all the difference. You know, it, it, how is it? So used? even though you were seeking out Wizard of Oz stuff early on in the game, you were not a features guy. You were a TV guy. I know you have a fondness for Sid and Marty Croft. We had them here, by the way. Have you have you met Sid and Marty? Oh my God. Unfortunately, I have met Marty. Yes. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh. Okay, I gotta go I gotta ahead. tell you a Marty story then. It's, so you know, I'm of that age where I grew sure. up watching Puff and stuff. That was pretty much sixty nine to seventy. And if you grew up my age, that was like your Mickey Mouse. That was the that was the guy. And so Marty <laughs> called me to his off, office one day, which is was some big estate out here in Hancock Park. And I come in, and he gives me a lecture that. He wants to sell some of his stuff. And he said, how much do you think it's worth? So I, he t- walked me through it. I go, I don't know, 60000 70000 He goes, I got to get a million. <laughs> so, and then he tells me. <laughs> the, the Sid and Marty liquidation And so he sale. says to me, oh, my God. So he says to me, he goes, you see that? Hey, kid, you see that filing cabinet? Poffin Stuff's original head used to sit on that file cabinet until my dog got it down and chewed it up. Isn't that a funny story? <laughs> that's, that's, that's Marty. <laughs> Oh my God. Every time I bought from him, a number of times, every single time I bought from him, on the phone in the car on the way over, I'd get a call. Hey, Jimmy, it's Marty. I got to get an extra five grand or the deal is off. He's a a hustler. Right? Oh, he's a a great hustler. I wish when we had them on the podcast that we had them on film too. Because one of them (laughs) would be like happy about everything. Sid was was gleeful. Oh, it was just. uh, a joy with all the crowds around. Right. And then he'd go, that wasn't like that at all. <laughs> you want to hear what really happened? <laughs> They're the real sunshine boys. <laughs> it's the world according to Marty. So I heard from the costume designer on these shows that, you know, Sid was the idea guy. And he would come in on Monday morning and say, I want to do a tribute to Soup and Crackers. I want to do a musical tra- <laughs> tribute. And, and Marty would say... Tits and ass, Sid. Tits and ass. <laughs> You're such a Sid Marty Croft guy. Do you have any props from Pink Lady and Jeff? Oh, my God. Okay. Don't I, even say I it. Heard I heard... I, I would buy it. I mean, I would buy it and I'd invite you over because we'd be course. the only two that remember I it. heard a story that one of the guys that did the voices for the characters, his father had been shot the night before. <laughs> <laughs> and... and so, so the guy was, of course, upset, and he wasn't doing as great a job. Your, your fucking father was shot, and and Marty wanted to fire him, and Sid said, "But Marty, we can't fire him. His his father was just killed," and and Marty goes, "We didn't shoot him, Sid." <laughs> That's Marty. But man, when he dies, that's going to be some funeral <laughs> They're wonderful. ceremony. We, I mean, everybody's got a them. Marty story. You have more TV stuff than the Smithsonian? Do you still? Or you had at one point? Oh, no. I still have. I have thousands and thousands of these objects. It's incredible. Um, from really every era of television. Throw me a show and well, I'll tell you Well, we were talking about Star Trek. I know you got Star Trek stuff. Okay. So Star Trek, I probably have 40, 50 costumes. You know... The bridge tunics are amazing, but those visiting guest starring aliens, those were the beautiful costumes. They made. They only had the budget mm-hmm. to make one for each actor, and if you spilled on it or you got makeup on it, they would just stop filming. They wasn't. It's not now where you back it up six times. So some of those are 
are visually beautiful. William Ware Tice was the costume designer, and he created these amazing alien costumes that were sort of sexy, psychedelic versions of what he thought an alien would be, and they're amazing. So Star Trek, if you wanted like a Klingon gun, a Klingon disruptor, um, that cost you 30 to 50 large. If if you wanted uh, Spock's ear tips, Two hundred fifty thousand. If it's from the original show, it's really the issue is, guys, that you have ultra high net worth guys. You have internet billionaires bidding against the oh, top yeah, people movie makers, this. even celebrities. You know, you have Charlie Sheen buying a World Series baseball for whatever the hell he he paid for it a couple of years ago, and four who, or five million bucks. Was, right? Who was it? Was it Nicolas Cage who bought a <laughs> T Rex skeleton? <laughs> 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 Yeah, let, let us just say that Nick Cage has a diverse palette for collecting. Let's say. Yeah, Here's one Gilbert will love you know, is I, you have Hervé yeah. Villachez's tattoo outfit from Fantasy Island. Oh, I not only have his outfit, but I have his little Jeep that he would he would tool oh, around. Fantastic. Oh, it, gosh. It, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, that those kinds of pieces are just amazing. At the end of the series, you know, he wanted a raise. They said no. So he, he wasn't in the final season of the show but he said i'm taking home my fucking cart and i'm not coming back so he took the cart home and sadly after he passed away his girlfriend i guess had it all up for sale at butterfields in los angeles and i wow. bought everything i thought what an incredible and did she have performer. any idea of what to charge for that well if you've ever gone to auction you know you bring something in and they want to downgrade your expectations immediately. You know, if it's worth 10,000, they're going to say, well, let's put it in at eight to 1200 and see what happens. So she was probably told that it was worth little and it went for more. So she's happy. But, um, you know, I would say his, his Island Jeep, that must be, that must be 40 to $60,000. And you were saying about like the outfits, if one was, there's that classic story with the outer limits of some actor in this weird alien outfit. I think he tripped and fell and it ruined the outfit. So they <laughs> had to change the entire ending because they couldn't fix the outfit again. <laughs> that sounds right. I think they put in a gunshot. <laughs> we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this <laughs> what about my favorite show from when i was a kid james batman jeff jeff told uh, me on well, the phone okay, you got so that, a couple of goodies yeah oh a couple so that's like the star trek and classic batman that's the gold standard of television memorabilia so not too many years ago the batmobile sold for 4.6 million dollars I, I suspect today it would be but aren't there to like 10, 10 of those things that, that george barris wound up making well, George Barris was a little bit like Marty Crock. <laughs> <in some ways, laughs> so, sure, it's sure it was show used. Sure it was. So they had there was two. There was one hero, and there was sort of a uh-huh. backup, and then there that sort of did car shows on the weekend. And for some reason, you know, thirty years later, now there's six yeah. of them. But uh, they're I think they're they're replicas. In, in our business, it, it's critical that Adam West's ass was in that seat. So a, a car show. Backup is not what fans are going to pay the big money for. But like I have, we'll talk a little bit about this auction I'm doing yeah, at the prop store. 
So PropStore.com is this, is this interesting company that started in London about 25 years ago. Uh, Stephen Lane was the gent, and he had some extra money, and he wanted to buy some original Star Wars memorabilia. But he, it was like the Wild West back then. You couldn't, you couldn't find something that was bona fide authentic. You mm-hmm. didn't know who to go to. You didn't know how much to pay for it. So Stephen Lane started that business 25 years ago, and he's now the go-to guy for Hollywood memorabilia. Um, and they have a company in London as well as Los Angeles. Brandon Allinger runs that company. And so I thought, you know what? I've been doing this 30 years, guys, and I've been waiting for these Hollywood stakeholders to get behind a TV museum. You know, it's like Debbie Reynolds' story. I've done all the hard work. I've done all the heavy lifting. I have all yeah, the pieces. Yeah, you're to, you're to be admired for that, you and Debbie Reynolds. Okay, well, <laughs> Debbie Reynolds. I've always put you in the same category as Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> Me too. Yes. <laughs> well, you, you both tried that. to get Hollywood museums and a proper home for this stuff. It's just amazing. You know, Hollywood considers this stuff to be what they call recoverable assets. It's like a fax machine or a lamp. They don't care anything about it. Even the studios that have archives, they don't care about their history. They just want to have stuff that they can put on display in movie lobbies or when they do the merch mm-hmm. rollout. They want to make sure they have stuff to give away. It's it's just amazing how little they care about their history, which is great because a little Jew like me got in and got it all. That was a Walt you know? Disney so I'm, film, I'm, a little Jew like me. It was yeah, an animated yeah. <laughs> That's a great one. Marvin Kaplan. And Did the voice. So, oh, I yeah, was go. saying one of the dopiest collectibles someone just gave me is was like a uh, photo of like Lugosi and a little black piece of fabric on a like oh, that's an supposedly from the cape yeah that they said they took Bela Gossi's Dracula cape and cut it up into thousands of little pieces and I'm thinking wouldn't the cape altogether be more valuable <laughs> well how do you even authenticate those things James well that's that's the question. I mean, how do you? But yeah, some people think that the breakup value of cutting something into a thousand pieces is the way to go, which of course is a cultural crime. And, you know, there's no way to document that that crumb of a cape was worn by anybody. And maybe that's why they're cutting it up in the first place. But yeah, there are people who have in the past done that. Not so much now. The stuff is so high value. You wouldn't take a pair of scissors to right. anything. What else do you have um, from Batman as long as we're so, on, on the subject? Cause I want to lose that thread. You have a Riddler, Frank Gorshin's costume. So, PropStore.com, we're having an auction on Mm -hmm. December 1st, and the Bat Shield is going to be in the auction. So, in the the mid-60s, they had one hand prop, and that was it. And if you broke it, they glued it back together. And there was one Bat Shield used in the first and second season. It says Bat Shield right (laughs) across the center. It's it's as good as it can get. The colors are vibrant. There's no cracks. We're thinking four to six hundred thousand. I'm working three jobs, Gilbert, and I can't afford a bat shield. (laughs) (laughs) Can I afford a batarang, James? Okay. Uh, Anything anything from Twilight Zone or out of limits. Okay, so the the first and only piece I have ever seen from the Twilight Zone is do you remember? There was an episode called Eye of, of the Beholder yes. where there's the, the pretty woman and she comes yeah, out of the bandages the and yeah. she's hoping that her... So in the same auction, December 1st, PropStore.com, we're selling the actual makeup that they wore uh, in that episode. And that was 
done by a very well makeup artist, oh, William yeah. Tuttle. William Tuttle, very famous. And so I think War of the Worlds, I think he did that right before did he the do show. Time Machine, it looks like also? A now. I believe so. Yeah. I think you're right. So something like that is, I think it's in at six to $8,000. It was in the collection. You guys probably know the name. We are, we're familiar with Forey Okay, Ackerman. now there's a lot okay. of talk. Like what happened to all of Forey Ackerman stuff? Well, so, you know, well, Forey was this lovely kind of innocent, beautiful guy. Her- and he'd let people come over and they'd say, hey, man, uh, can we take that Klingon disruptor and I just want to make a mold of it and I'll bring you back the original. And Forey was, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, of course, they would make a, uh, a duplicate, paint it up real nice, and then give that back to Forey and keep the original. Wow. Oi, Gavalt. So, you know, he was he was victimized. Well, I know Kirk um, Hammett, our friend Kirk Hammett, <laughs> bought some of those paintings, the, the, the Basil Gogo stuff. From uh, from Fari, and oh. I heard some people didn't even ask; Priceless. they would just like bomb stuff. Yeah, they just slip it into their bag. Yeah, true story. I mean, he was he, he would just let you walk around. I mean, if you're in my warehouse, there's 15 cameras going. He would just let people walk around, and he'd you know go to answer a call or go to the bathroom, and you know 20 minutes later, that person and some one of his pieces was out the door. So. Yeah, that's a that's a sad story, but he's you know of course well remembered and honored as a as a uh, as a, a brilliant writer and also as an archivist. So the fact that this makeup also came through his collection is sort of value added. Mm-hmm. It's even it's even more yeah, important. And he actually had a Dracula cape, not a little shitty piece of <laughs> black fabric. What's the two two, two questions? Ja- two questions, James. Does the does the sale mean for the most part that you've you've, you've given up the ghost on uh, on on seeing any of this stuff in a museum? No, it 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 doesn't. In fact, it's I've underestimated how stupid Hollywood is. So I thought in you know twenty years of going to the heads of studios and the heads of theme parks and the heads of casinos, saying, "Look, guys." We have 70 years of history. Every one of these pieces is an attractor that will bring people sure. through the door. Let's do it. I've done all the work. I'll let you use the stuff. We'll work it out. Let's do it. it nothing. I mean, virtually nothing. So the reason that we're selling some of the collection on December 1st at Prop Store is so we can fortify ourselves to fight the good fight for another oh, I see. few okay, years. Okay, so you you're, not, you're not waving the white flag. You're, you're just, you're bolstering... Uh- Fuck them. I'm not I'm not stopping Good. until we Good get there. Do you, you know, have the bolts on any of the Frankenstein necks? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I that's a question I've never been asked. Congratulations. He's original. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like I would want to have Fred Gwynn. Oh, sure. yeah. That guy would be too. awesome. Um you know that it's so sad, but you know, through f- his whole life Fred Gwynn was uh, ashamed of his performance on the monsters he thought it was so big and over the top that he couldn't watch it he wouldn't sign mm-hmm. photos uh, herman munster photos until the very end of his life but there's another one of those shows that's just pitch perfect well, what did jeff today. tell me on the phone that in those days i'm see if i get this right that that you could go in uh to one of the warehouses or one of the the, the supply rooms where this this shit was stored back in the day and you and they would <laughs> rent it to you well, actually, we don't call it shit anymore. Now they're priceless <laughs> artifacts. Sorry, but, I apologize. <laughs> but the, I mean, somehow when Gilbert says "little piece of shit," it I sounds apologize. better than you say it. Yeah. <laughs> he has that license. So you were saying, so you know, back in the day, if you went to Western Costume Company and you said, "I want to rent a gray jacket with long sleeves, forty-six long," 
And they go, okay, the rack's over there. And if you looked in the pocket and one of them said Fred Gwynn, they, they didn't care. They'd rent it to you for $10 a week. That was the Incredible. production rental. And if for some reason it didn't come back, you'd have to pay 10 weeks rental. So that $10 turned into $100. So I'd say, well, I'm telling you right now, this piece is going to get lost. Is it okay to rent it? And they said, what? we don't care. So I would buy them for 10 times rental and buy these incredible pieces that they, they just didn't care. I, when I started writing Punch-Up in the um, late 80s, early 90s, you'd, you'd go in a prop department and there's Jeannie's Bottle and there's the, the door knockers from the Munster Mansion. and it, it meant nothing to them. This seems like science fiction now because we're so educated with American right, pickers sure, and sure. storage wars and Antiques Roadshow. It seems like everybody would know this, but back then it was just it was just stuff. It wasn't even barcoded. It was just stuff. I can call it shit, but you can call it stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. you know, it's interesting, too. And, you, <laughs> exactly. and, and you weren't trying to make a quick buck. You were coming, as we said, you were a fan. So you were coming from the right place with this stuff. You wanted it to be preserved. You didn't want it to, to, to deteriorate or disintegrate. You wanted to acquire it, sure, for your own jollies, but you also wanted to, to, to save it or rescue it in some cases. You're absolutely right. Profits were never the driver. They still aren't. You know, what I... What I what I valued were the shows and the characters and the and the you know the iconography of all of it. And it's only in recent years, you know, I was just re- recently written up in Forbes magazine. Now I'm a fucking financial genius, guys. That I knew that Keith Partridge's pants would be worth money. <laughs> I never, I never came from any point of view other than it's history. It means something to me. It must mean something to other people. I'm going to save it. And I was considered completely fucking crazy for the first 25 years of doing it. Now I'm considered a financial genius. We've had another guest on this show who you probably know, Bob Burns. Oh, I mean, he's a, he, he is also, he's got some cool stuff. Very. Oh, he does indeed. I wouldn't mind buying a few of those. You know, Bob, um, I don't know him personally. I know him by reputation. He's obviously, we'll put you in touch. You should at least go see his stuff. Sure, sure. He's got the King Kong. Um, he's got one so, of the armatures, the original armature, I think, for the King Kong mo- model. I yeah, know priceless. when I visited Fari uh, Ackerman, he had they were rotted. The hair wasn't on them, yeah. or the skin wasn't on them, but the dinosaurs from King Kong, like the metal structure exactly inside right. them. Yeah, exactly right. So those pieces are all on like an articulated metal armature that would like bend at the wrist, the elbow, the knee, the foot. And so the outside was kind of, uh, there was a molded bit of foam around it and then they would put flocking or hair or fur or whatever. So that stuff was, was made to survive one day of shooting, not 70 years. So it is almost impossible to find a miniature from that era that still has any of the, you know, any of the, the foam coating or the hair. I mean, that would be, priceless of that surface but just those armatures are very sculptural and and i have some very high up clients who just put them on the shelf as art you know the patina they're a little bit rusted it's 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 beautiful art well we're gonna stop right here we've had so much fun with james commissar we're gonna pick this up next week So tune in next week for part two with James Commissar. Colossal Obsessions.
Shane Gilbert time. Shane Gilbert channel.